And in chapter 2, we see, obviously, yes, he created man. He created man in chapter 1 in his image and likeness. He created him. And in chapter 2, we are told more specifically of how he created Adam and how he created Eve. But sadly, what we find when we go into chapter 3 is that man somehow who had been the created being, who had been placed in the garden, who had been created in the epics of all of God's creation, decides that rather than listening to the word of God as God had revealed himself to Adam and Eve, they decide to hear another voice. And therefore, from the beginning there in chapter 3, what we find is the epic and cosmic battle in which now we find ourselves since Genesis chapter 3. It is not that God has not spoken and God has not revealed himself. It is that man in his sin chooses to listen to a different voice. And therefore, the reality of the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3 is that they choose to follow a different path. They develop a worldview where they think that they can separate themselves from their creator God and from his revealed word and now create a different worldview where the man is no longer the creature created, but he is master and commander of his own life. I'm going to experience life apart from God. I want to experience life apart from the authoritative word of God. And beloved, that is the beginning of the cosmic fight in which we find ourselves today. It is not that God did not create. It is not that God did not reveal. It is not that God has not spoken. It is that since Genesis 3, man has decided, I'm going to do it my way. They began to follow a different wisdom. A wisdom that doesn't come from heaven, but a wisdom that comes that is earthly, that is natural, and in many ways that is demonic. And then we can see throughout all of redemptive history that continues time and time and time and time and time again to be the battle. We see that throughout the history of Israel. Would you listen to God and to the, his revealed word? Do you listen to the man that he sends to proclaim him? Beloved, what's the answer? Some do and some don't. The reality is that the wisdom of God, the wisdom that comes from heaven, has always been there and accessible. The issue is whether the people of God will accept it and embrace it. But beloved, we cannot get to James chapter 3 unless we understand where it all went wrong. And that's where it went wrong. It went horribly wrong. So as we come here to... James, to the epistle of James, let's turn to the epistle of James and let's look first at chapter 1. The reality of a child of God, a child of the king, is that from the moment in which Adam and Eve fell, we are born now dead in our sins and trespasses, but by the work of God we are able to, once we were enemies, now we are what? His children. 
And therefore, as now children of God, we begin to listen once again to whose voice? The voice of God. We once again come back to the truth and the authoritative word of God to listen to our God. Our relationship with him is reestablished and now we no longer are their own masters of our own domain, masters and commanders of our destiny. We now in submission to our God, to our creator God, the lover and pursuers of our lives, submit to the authority of his word. Because of that, We find ourselves in a fallen world where we are now going to experience a lot of enmity. We are going to be at odds with every other human being that still wants to bow the knee to their own sin, to their own pleasures, to their way of thinking, to their own biblical worldview, to their unbiblical worldview. No biblical worldview that we proclaim. Not to that. Not to our God, but they want to submit to their own pleasures, to their own philosophies, to their own worldviews. They think unbiblically, they thinking it's earthly, natural, and demonic. And because of that, we are constantly at odds and at war. They want more of their sin, we want them to walk away from their sin. We proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ... They want to silence those who proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. This is where we find ourselves in James chapter 1 as these believers have been dispersed as they are now find themselves living in the midst of a pagan people. Is not that the same today? Or is somehow we're in this great city of Kansas City and everybody is a perfect good little man and good little woman who is loving Jesus? Or are we in the midst of a pagan city and a pagan culture and a pagan world? James reminds us here in chapter 1, because of this, right? James, as a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersive for us, greeting, consider it, All joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. So what's going to happen? The reality of life is that as long as we are on this side of heaven, what are we going to encounter and experience? Trials. Trials. But it's in the midst of those trials that we need to consider it all joy. Knowing that the testing of our faith, what is it going to produce? Endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking what? In nothing. Here's what is fascinating. But if any of you lacks what? What does the text say? Wisdom. To navigate through this fallen world, to live among unbelievers, among the lost, what must you have? Wisdom. You need to have wisdom to know and understand how to live this life, this side of heaven. So let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So here's the thing. To be able to live this life in a foreign world where we encounter various trials, and those trials are going to come because we're surrounded by fallen people, because we are in the midst of a sinful world, now 
we have to ask for wisdom. For wisdom. Here's what is interesting. I know that you have been going through this summer through the aspects of prayer. Yes? How many of us actually stop and pray for wisdom? Wisdom and discernment. How to live and organize our day-to-day life that we may now live this life actually in wisdom in all that we do. But here James reminds us that we are to ask for it. Ask for it. And all of us need wisdom. All of us need to know and understand how do we navigate through this life. Now here's the reality of what James begins to tell us. That as long as we are on this side of heaven in a fallen world, we're going to continuously face trials and tribulations. Our faith, our confidence, our trust in God is going to be tested. And to be able to do that, you need to have wisdom on how to navigate through that. This is why in the midst of all these trials and tribulations, you need to know and you need to understand that you have to learn to really be, as verse 19 says, you need to know, beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to what? To hear. Slow to speak and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Here's, let, let me unpack that a little bit. We need to become very good listeners, hearers of the word of God. And when we speak and talk with one another, is God to be from the very word of God. Now, here's the thing. Oftentimes, and I've been a professor as well of international business, as you've heard, we can talk about all kinds of communication strategies and all of that. But what this verse actually says is that if that communication is not steeped absolutely, deeply and profoundly from the word of God, it is just nothing but two people communicating nonsense to one another. It has to be that we are learning to hear from God, the wisdom that comes from God. That's what creates actually good communication. I'm actually quick to hear. I am very slow to speak because I want to hear from God and I want to hear from others who will encourage me from the word of God because you know that relationships go bad when we don't listen to one another but when we're not speaking biblical truth to one another. Instead, rather than the wisdom that comes from heaven, we are spewing ignorance of this world towards one another. But let me go on, because I'm just going to get through my introduction. And I love the fact that there's no clock around here, so I can go for two hours. But here's the thing, beloved, this is why it's so important. What James is trying to communicate to us is that there is a way in how people should live and live their life. And if you're going to say that you are truly a child of the king and that now your life is no longer about you, but it's about him, and it's about his glory, it's about proclaiming the good news and it is about building up of the body of Christ, then you live your life very differently. You've already lived your life for you. When you died to sin, when Christ, the works of Christ were applied to you, now you live for him. So you begin to speak differently. You begin to act differently. 
You begin to look at people how God looks at them. That's why you can't have sense of partiality. That's why you can't look at people and how we tend to divide them, whether it be on a socioeconomic or political or ethnic racial differences. We look at people as sinners who need to hear the gospel and come to saving faith. We look at our brothers and our sisters in Christ who need to be loved and helped and mature. They need to grow in Christ. We don't have time for this nonsense of sinfully looking at each other and judging one another based on human criteria. We begin to tame our tongues as we see at the beginning of chapter 3. We begin to have a faith, as we see in chapter 2, that is at work. That I shouldn't be a fruit inspector. I should be able to pull up into the fruit stand of your life and see the fruit of a life that is faithfully walking with God. I shouldn't be wondering whether I'm going to come to you and I will see fruit or not. I should enjoy a life that is completely sold out for God. That's what James tells us. Let's have a faith that is absolutely actively demonstrating that it is sold out for God. Watch your tongue because what? What comes out of our mouth reveals the essence and the putrescence of our heart if it has not truly been redeemed. All right, ready to go to chapter 3 verse 13? Because this is what in many ways James has now been preparing them. Understand, you are living in a fallen world and now you need wisdom and ask God to give it to you. By the way, as a child of the king, that is accessible to everyone. I know, maybe as a university president, I shouldn't say, but you don't need to come to Calvary to get that. It's right here. Now, please do come to Calvary. Because <laughs> we will really show you and teach you. But the reality of that is, beloved, yes, we go and we are students of the word. We have to be a people of the book. But here, as we have already read this passage, is where James is going to now ask this deep and profound question as he begins. And I want you to answer this question for yourself. Who among you is wise and understanding? I want you to think about that, but let me pray as we begin our discussion of chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. Heavenly Father, I pray that this morning, your people here at Summit Woods would be a people who would be those who are wise and understanding. Those who order their lives according to your word, to your wisdom, not the wisdom of this world. Thank you for the profound honor and privilege of being in this pulpit, in this congregation that believes in the truth and the authority, the inerrant, infallible word of God, the sufficiency of your word, O Lord, and so orders their steps according to your word, your wisdom, not the wisdom of man. And we just pray this in your precious holy name. Amen. As we come here to chapter 3, verse 13 through 18, What we're going to talk about this morning is heavenly wisdom. But heavenly wisdom as God reveals it to us. 
We will see here in verse 13 that true wisdom is demonstrated through our deeds. Is demonstrated through our deeds. That's why James asked this deep and profound question. So who among you is wise and understanding? Who among you here believes that you have this thing called Christianity down packed? That you are living according to the word of God, not to your own earthly wisdom. You're not just winging it. But that you are truly one who is submitting to the authority of the word of God and living in wisdom and understanding. Who is skillful at doing that? Who is living this life? What is fascinating here is that James tells us that true wisdom is demonstrated then through our deeds. Here at the beginning of verse 13, and he says, let him show by what? By his good behavior. Good deeds are demonstrated out of good behavior. But who is the one who says what the good behavior is? It's God. In his word. When we were saved, we were saved by grace, not because of our own works, for what? For good works. We were saved for the purpose of now having a behavior, a lifestyle that is so radically different than the way and how we used to walk and live in sin. And beloved, all throughout scripture, we are told the things that we are to put off and the things that we are to put on. The life that we are now to live and how we are to live it, the conduct of a child of God. How do I know that somebody has been transformed by the truth of the word of God? Is because I see now in their good behavior, the things that they're doing, they're doing for the glory of God. They are living a life that actively demonstrates that they belong to the king. There shouldn't be any confusion. They will know us by our love, by our good behavior, by our good deeds. But these deeds, we are also told, these good deeds are done in gentleness. Here's what is interesting and fascinating about what James says. The reality of this actual Christian life is that if you say that you are wise and you are now someone who's really living according to what God has called us to live, it's going to manifest itself in the things that you do. If you're a child of the king, right? at Calvary University, we know that we exist truly is for the building up of the body of Christ. As much as we are going to prepare men and women to go and live and serve, yes, in the church, that's what they must be. Some are going to go out into the world and they're going to be in the marketplace. But whether you are here in the church or in the marketplace, you live to live accordingly to a biblical worldview. You need to live that way. We need to be able to see your good works that are being demonstrated, your good behavior that is shown everywhere you go, that you are consistently a child of the king 24-7. 
that at any time people can say and understand that person lives differently because they are a child of God. So it's not that you get to be a Christian just when you come to church. You are a child of God every single day, every minute of the day. And if you are in a for-profit job, you better be a child of the king there and have a good behavior. You better be able to be adorned with the things of Christ. But what happens then here is that for us, now that we are a little bit more vintage in our walk with Christ, not old, just vintage, But the reality is that we know and we understand the growth and the maturation process. Yes? We have gone through our own trials and we have failed and repented and come back to Christ. We have done hand-to-hand combat with sin. We have had our long and dark and challenging days, but we have also seen the days of faithfulness and triumph. We know how hard this road is. So when we are living our life completely and devoted to God, we know what it takes to get to this point of growth and maturity. Learning and dependence of God. So when we come and we are discipling and loving others, we do it in what? There's a gentleness that comes in this wisdom of knowing how to take someone young in their faith and helping them to mature and grow in their wisdom, growing in understanding of the word of God. Here I am, a president of a university, and sometimes my former professors say, wow, I can't believe that you're a president of a Christian university. Some chuckle and say, I found my adolescence at seminary because I couldn't stop doing jokes and practical jokes and things like that. Like knowing that my professor was uh, very much a fan of University of Southern California, so I would come early to class and write Go Bruins in Greek since I went to UCLA and, you know, silly things like that. But the reality is I had men who have loved me and in wisdom gently discipled and loved me towards maturity. The reality of this life is that we must be a people that takes sin serious and take spiritual growth and maturation serious. And because of that, we take the word of God serious because the wisdom that we are trying to instill upon our people is one that comes from God. Not the musings and rantings of Alex or Brett. We don't stand here to say, here's my 12-step program on how to give you your happy best life. No, we come here and we open the word of truth and of life and say, what thus says the Lord and how do we now order our life according to it? But we come with a sense of humility and gentleness, with wisdom in itself, knowing the process that it takes to mature people, to help them navigate through the trials the way James did in promise at the beginning in chapter 1 that this was going to be this happy little utopia of a life. It's going to be hard navigating through this fallen world. Because, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, what? There is a battle 
for this world to try to conform us to the things of this world. And therefore, what must we do? Renew our minds. Be transformed. And that cannot happen unless you know the word of God and you need older men and older women to come and from the truth and the authority of the word of God to teach you and lead you through that in wisdom. You don't need someone telling you that this book is too hard and that you're too dumb to know it and understand it. You need a faithful man and a woman of God who's going to lovingly, patiently, gently sit down and answer and walk you through the truth of the word of God. That's what we need. But it's demonstrated, by the way, that's a good deed, that's a good behavior that you do. Being committed, we call that discipleship. We call that investing in somebody else's life, living life on life, where the moment that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, we actually love and care for one another. And therefore, our lives has to be a fruitopia of love, helping each other grow and mature in our Christian walk. It's got to be a relationship when I come, 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 come and let's study this book together and learn and discern the depths and the truths of the word of God that we may live a life that is pleasing to God. That's the reality of it. We have nothing more to say to one another. Now, you heard a little bit of my bio. I can bore you to tears about politics and economics and all kinds of other stuff. But none of that has ever transformed anybody's life. Only this book can. And does. Only the reality of the work of Christ on the cross is transformative in the life and the reality of a sinner. And because of that, beloved, we are committed to that. I enjoy talking about all those things. But the reality is there is nothing that will transform our lives like the very word of God. I have five degrees and I have read a lot of books. I enjoy literature and I can probably also quote you Shakespeare and all of that and But the reality of life is there is no book like this book. This is the only one that's authoritative. This is the only one that truly does transform lives. So, our good deeds are demonstrated when we proclaim the gospel to the lost, when we come along the brethren and we teach them and we speak from the word of God into one another's lives. So true wisdom is demonstrated to our deeds. Good deeds are demonstrated out of a good behavior. Good deeds are done in gentleness. But let's go on to verse 14 through 16. The traits of false wisdom, we are told here by James, have their source in hell. Let me state that again and let that sink in. As James has said that who is wise among you in understanding and the question really is to say if you're going to claim to say that then you better be a person who knows the word of God because that's where God reveals his wisdom. That's how he gives an understanding. You better have a proper relation with God because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, of knowledge, of understanding. 
So if you have a genuine relationship with God, it will flow out of that. But here's what then is interesting and then James says to us. That the traits of false wisdom have their source in hell. This is we see in verse 14 through 16. Let's look at verse 14 real quick. So here's the interesting thing that it says, but. See, if you are a child of the king and you are living wisely and understanding, your good behavior is being demonstrated, you are gentle in your wisdom, you are a pursuer of people to love and to care for them, you are living an active life for his glory, you are investing in other people's lives because you love wisdom and wisdom will call you to love God and to love others and to do it actively and passionately. Understanding that in this fallen world we are encountering all kinds of trials. And that's how we'll begin to look at people through God's eyes, through his lens. We learn to tame our tongue, but to tame our tongue we must first tame that which is inside of us and get rid of all that junk, of all that putrescence and rubbish and to implant in there the very word of God so that what comes out is the very word of God. But now, if this is the way you live, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, if that's what marks you, If rather than being the person who is a lover and a pursuer of people, a pursuer of the lost that they may hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, a pursuer of your brothers and sisters that they may know him and enjoy him in a greater way, that they may be understanding of the word of God and that we may enjoy the fellowship that we have as his children. But instead of that, there is bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart What is there in your heart rather than love and the word of God and good behavior that flows from a proper relationship with God and your fellow man? Don't be arrogant. That's prideful. That's boastful. Another way is don't be ignorant. Because what he then says, and so lie against the truth. You're a selfish, self-centered individual. That's the characteristics of a fallen person. I want to talk about me, 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 and me. Before Christ, it was all about me. But because of Christ, it's about God and it's about you and you and you. I live my life for God and for you. So you cannot say that you are living in wisdom, that you are pursuing God, that you are having this lifestyle of good behavior, of good deeds, of the things that I do, if everything that I do is about me. And that's how I'm filled with jealousy and selfish ambition. That is the essence of my heart. I cannot say I'm living wise and for God. To say that is arrogant. To say that is to lie. It is not truth. Because if you have generally been born again, you have learned and understood what true forgiveness is. You have known what it is to now live for yourself. And that has been all about you. But now because of Christ, you know what it is to die to self and to pursue him. 
So don't come and try to say that you're wise and understanding. If that is really what is marked in your life. Saints, that's a, that, that's a pretty strong statement, is it not? That's why James is saying it. You can't say what you said just in the previous verse. If, you're, if you answer that, yes, I'm living wise and understanding, I got this Christianity thing down to a science. The reality is you cannot say that you are lying if there's still a bitterness and selfish ambition, all these things that are truly deep in the depth of your heart. Now, that doesn't mean we can't be tempted and struggle. But the reality is that if that's truly what's in there, ultimately that will be revealed. How many of our brothers and sisters, when we hear them speak, that is what comes out of them? That when we hear them speak and we see their actions, it is nothing but bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. You cannot say that. False wisdom is betrayed by selfishness. Show me a man or a woman of God that is controlled by bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. They are not truly walking in wisdom according to the word of God. And must repent of that. Must deal with that. Verse 15 reminds us here that false wisdom, therefore, is foreign to heaven to the Spirit, to the Word of God, to God Himself. This is what James says. This wisdom, right? If you're living this way, where you are now bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, you really are lying and you're an arrogant person. This wisdom is not that which comes down from where? From above. This is not heavenly wisdom, beloved. But it is what? Come on, you can say it with me. What is it? Earthly, natural, and demonic. See, you can't go out there into the field wearing God's jersey. Yes? Saying, I'm playing for God. But now, everything that you do, you're scoring for the other team. That'd be ludicrous. Just plain crazy. But what God is here saying is that this wisdom, if you order your life to live that way, if that is the, quote, actions that we see in your life, that is not the wisdom from God. That is not what God has called us on how to live our lives. If anything, this is earthly, natural, and demonic Do you understand where it comes from? This comes from a fallen world. This is a way of now conducting yourself in a matter that is absolutely contrary to the word of God itself. You are living under an unbiblical worldview. You're living under a worldview that is still all about you. 
You are living in a world of view that it is the world of view of Satan, of the so-called wisdom of this world. And don't misunderstand it. It is absolutely demonic. It has its place from hell. That's where it comes from. And this is absolutely foreign. It is contrary to everything that God reveals about himself and his redemptive work. These are strong, powerful words from James that should cut deep to us. Because he reminds us here, if you are following this type of wisdom, This is why you continue to have the struggles. Because you live a life that is a one filled with bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And in the midst of nothing but selfish spoiled brats, what do you do? Is fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. Nothing else. Rather than living a life that brings glory and honor to God. Don't be naive. Don't be fool. You know, one of the things that to me is always very, is a great joy, but yet in many ways it lays heavy in my heart. Here we are, many of our young people are going to begin their studies. Whether it be K through 12 or whether it be obviously in university life. Many of our children would go either to be educated in the home, to be educated in private Christian schools, prayerfully where they will be taught the very truth of the word of God. Many of our children will go to their local K-12 through or their local pagan youth, And be taught a wisdom that is earthly, natural, and demonic. Rather than the wisdom that comes from heaven, from above. So when our students will come, we begin our time at Calvary on a spiritual emphasis week. Our students come to Calvary not because they want to learn how to make a living alone. But they want to know how they're going to live while they make that living. Because it's not just about learning how to make money. Being a business professor, I've taught a lot of people how to make money. But I always tell them that it's not about the Benjamins. It's not about the money. It's about people. Our houses, our major corporations, all those things will one day burn up. The only thing that we get to take with us is the people with whom we will spend eternity together with. The people that we have shared the gospel with. The people that we have grown and matured together in life. We will spend eternity together. But the reality is we are a people of the book designed to bring glory and honor to God in our lives. It's not just about the things of this world and upward mobility from a financial, socioeconomic perspective. Ours is an upward mobility 
to spend eternity with God. If that's what you mean by upward mobility. It is a spiritual one, not an earthly one. But don't be fooled. If you follow the wisdom of this world, it is earthly, natural, and demonic, and foreign to God. Verse 16 then reminds us as well that false wisdom defiles every place it exists. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. I want you to think about that. I want you to think deeply and profoundly about what what James just said. If you are not living under the wisdom of God, you're living under the wisdom of this fallen world, which is earthly, natural, and demonic. And therefore, where you will live a jealous, selfish life, wherever that exists, wherever the wisdom of this world exists, there will always be disorder in every evil thing. Period. It will always be bad. Always. Not maybe. Not perhaps. Not could be. But always. It will always be evil. It will always be disorder. Why? Because it is not the wisdom from heaven. It is not submitting to the truth and the authority of the word of God. When I was a young man and studying political science, we thought we were going to go turn the world upside down. And I would go and I would do all these trips where we would bring about food and shelter and vaccinations and we would bring about, um, we would create micro enterprises to alleviate poverty. All the things that we would do and all at the end of it all was watching people who still did not know Christ better dressed, better sheltered, better educated, but still in a fallen state apart from God. And we thought we were so wise and we thought we were doing so many good things. Oh, we were awesome. We were just amazing force to be reckoned with. And I would walk away from those things sad and empty while my classmates from UCLA just thought, wow, we're amazing. But I quickly realized it's not wrong to go and feed people and provide them shelter. It's not wrong to provide better health care and education for them. But it is absolutely criminal to withhold the gospel from them. Because that is what they primarily need. So if I'm in a context where I am not going to speak the truth of the word of God, it is criminal to withhold that which can bring people from death to life. But if it's all about jealousy and selfish ambition and it's all about me, I could care less about other people. And that's how people order their lives. 
By the way, when they go and apparently do those good deeds, it's all works to make themselves feel good. Because from their heart, it doesn't come out of a genuine love. It comes out of selfish ambition. Don't misunderstand that. A fallen person is doing that, not empowered by the Spirit of God, but empowered by the wisdom of this world because of their selfishness. They want the accolades while denying God. But let's go on because as James continues, he has taught us in verse 13 that true wisdom is demonstrated through our deeds. He has taught us here in verses 14 through 16 that the traits of false wisdom have their source in hell and don't be confused by that. But verse 17 through 18, he tells us here about the traits of true wisdom. They do have their source in heaven. Verse 17 reminds us of this, but the wisdom from above, how is it? It is pure. So true wisdom is from heaven. Don't be confused by what this world will call wise. Learn to be discerning, to be understanding. And therefore, true wisdom can only come from heaven, but true wisdom comes from heaven as it has been revealed to us by the truth of the word of God. So as much as I can, I've already said, read so many books and Go through all this education. If an education is not deeply rooted in this book, it will always be what? Nothing but purely wisdom and the rantings of madmen and women of this world. You can log on right now and Google and search and there is the madness and the ignorance and the pulling of that ignorance of the masses on the internet, is it not? We can go to bookstores and find all the self-helps and all the whatever, five steps, six steps, two steps, whatever many steps to order your life. But the reality is, is the wisdom of the ignorant masses if it doesn't come from the book of God. If it's not from God's word, it will always be the ignorance of man. So true wisdom comes from heaven. That is the only and true source. If you are going to find wisdom anywhere else, it will be false wisdom. But true wisdom is first pure. It is one that is going to call you to live a life of holiness, sanctification. where the heart motivation of your life is to live in integrity. Live a life that brings glory and honor to God. Live a life where you are proclaiming the gospel to the lost. It is a life where you are going to let your light so shine. Remember what Matthew 5 tells us? Verses 13 through 16. Right? We are to be a light, salt in this world. Yes? And we are to let our light so shine 
in this world among people. Right? We even teach our children to sing the song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It's not like a, we're not going to hide it under some bushel. Yes? Your life is now absolutely one to be a light and be displayed, not hidden. It's to be out there. Faithfully proclaiming the gospel to the lost and faithfully encouraging your brothers and sisters. Let's go and love God. Let's go and serve him. It is driven, motivated. It is pure. It is everything that is wholesome. Because at then as it reminds us. It is from above. It is for spirit. Then what does it do? What is it? How is it transforming me? How, what is it producing in me as a mature believer? It produces a quiet teachableness. See, I am... I hear first. I'm not so quick to speak. I want to hear from God and I want to hear from the people of God who can teach me the word of God and how to live wisely. It produces this teachability and therefore I am one who then is peaceable, who is gentle, who is reasonable. See, I'm looking to have peace, to live in peace, but that peace comes Only by helping the unbelievers know that they can have peace with God if they repent of their sin. If they recognize their need of a savior. And we can live in peace as brothers and sisters in Christ as we begin to live life on life. And we begin to love and help one another to grow. When you help me to mature When you help me to put off the old man and to make sure I put on the new man. When you say to me, the fruit of the Spirit must be manifested in you. That you must also, what? Be gentle. When you have to, in your mind, let it be renewed and transformed. Not conformed by the things of this world. We help each other to learn to think and think biblically. We are no longer carried by our earthly passions, but we are reasonable. We come and we reason from the word of God together. It also produces compassion in heart and actions. This is what we're saying. Rather than looking at the loss as the enemy, we see them as those who are blinded by the prince of this world and in need of a savior. And rather than the enemy, we see them as the mission field. Rather than looking at our brothers and sisters also as enemies, we do see them as brothers and sisters that need to be loved, need to be discipled. We need to have mercy. Here's interesting, good fruits. That's what I said earlier it shouldn't be that I have to be a fruit inspector. I should be able to see the good fruits of your life. We should be out here working hard and bearing fruit because we are lovers of God and lovers of each other and pursuant of the laws that they may know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our light is so shining. We are so 
absolutely committed to the things of God. This, beloved, produces sincere loyalty to God and to others. It is unwavering and without hypocrisy. I know that without Christ, you can't help but live for your selfish ambition. And you can't help but live in bitter jealousy. I know that you cannot help but live under the wisdom that is earthly, natural, and demonic. That's why you must hear the gospel. But I know that as a child of God, you no longer have to live that way. So I call you, I summon you, I plead with you, I beg with you. I sit down patiently, gently, consistently teach you the word of God so that now you may walk in all the good deeds that he and good works prepared for you. And then what we see is the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Verse 18, true wisdom is propagated by true peacemakers. Do you understand that's what God has called you to do? That in the midst of all of this fallen world, this pagan place, in the midst of all this trials and tribulations, you are a peacemaker. Those who are dead in their sins and trespasses are enemies of God. And the only way for that to end is for them to know Christ as their Savior. That's the only way that it will bring peace. That's the way that their selfishness their jealousy and bitterness, their worldliness will come to an end. The way on how we get the immature or those young in the faith to grow and to mature is by investing our lives into their lives to see them grow and mature. But it's got to come from teaching them this book. Teaching them to pray and ask every day, grant me, O Lord, your wisdom, your discernment, that I may know how to live and navigate this Christian life for your glory. Beloved, that is what Calvary University endeavors to do every single day for our students. We are a people of the book. The authority of the word of God is our foundation. That is why like you, when we gather together is to study this book that we may know what thus says the Lord. But we don't go out there into that world to now live under the earthly, natural, demonic wisdom. We go out with this wisdom empowered by the very word of God called, commissioned by him to go and proclaim the gospel to the lost to invest our very lives into one another's that we may be mature believers bearing good fruit, good deeds, good works that God has prepared for us before the foundation of this world. And in that way, a heavenly wisdom on how we walk daily with him. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for this dear saints, for their attentiveness to your word today. As we have spent this time together, O Lord, truly I pray that your people, knowing and understanding the access that we have to your wisdom, heavenly wisdom, Lord, that they would ask, that they would seek you, that this church and the saints who have gathered Lord, this Sunday in many churches around the world would truly submit themselves to the wisdom that comes from above and not the wisdom that is earthly, natural, and demonic. And we just pray this in your precious holy name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and respond.